You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. You ready? No, but yes. Here we go. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message with Jason. And Chris. It was pretty even right there. Right. We, we did well. Not too sad, not too excited. Um, another it. week, and um, Chris didn't even have any snacks with him this time. Um, did I have a snack last time? I think it's just usually me, to be honest. <laughs> Which I, I'm eating salt and vinegar chips. You project. I found in the youth room. I, w- I mean, really, you think any teenager likes salt and vinegar chips? Yeah, I'd say yeah. I'll take that bet. All right, we'll do a poll. I don't know where you. I will have Matthew ask the youth group. <laughs> um, but well, they were some of the only ones left, so maybe not. Anyways, all right. Um. Is this week two of this part of the series? Is it? I don't know. I think it is. This is week two of First Samuel. It's technically week 13. But since we've started back, I don't know. After a while, they, they just all feel like one long message that, that people... Yes, because... Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. You're right. All right. Kingdom Hope. We're in First Samuel 9. Talked about um, what... Like when you weren't sure of what God was up to in your life, and I shared some of uh, our adoption story, which I didn't realize till after the service. Like you and Justin right. said, you had not heard some of that. Some of that. Um, which that's one of those stories. I feel like you're okay if you share more than once in the church, you know. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, and I didn't share on Sunday, uh, which I told you and Justin that, like that was obviously adoptions not free. Mm. Um, yeah, for people that weren't there, I'm talking about our children, just not like a, a cat, you know. Like this is <laughs> God really moved in getting us this cat. It's been life changing. Um, yeah, adopting our our twins, so our children, and um, that I think. The adoption agency fee was like eleven over eleven thousand dollars, and which is cheap, guys. That's cheap. Um, it's crazy. And that the church and people had been raising money for us, and we had like just over two hundred dollars of what we needed that week to give to the agency, which is crazy because you're like, I'm, I'm writing this. Eleven something thousand dollar che- like personal check, um, yep. Like don't but, cash that till Monday. Yeah, you're like, why don't you hold on to that till they're eighteen, nineteen years old, and they can help you know pay for some of this as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the the adoption or the like lawyer fees and stuff was um, over three thousand dollars. Now we could have we could have went through. I didn't tell you we could have done a lawyer uh, like family court in Rockford, Illinois, um, but they had recommended that we go to Chicago because that was um, 
the family court there. They they get so many cases, and it just wasn't going to be as much of an issue to uh, go to that court. So we took these premature kids downtown Chicago into the Cook County Courthouse and stood before a judge. But you about to say something? No, I, I thought of another story I wanted to tell you, but I'll have to tell you off oh, podcast. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to write it down so I wouldn't off forget. Mic. Yeah. Off mic. All right, so this is the question. For both of us, can you share a time in your life that you weren't sure what God was up to? No. <laughs> it's not adventurous. I know. I, I feel like, because you've asked something similar to this before, and I feel like there's all, all this infinite number of answers. Now what about a trip, your a trip to Israel? But then, I mean, but when you ask me, my mind goes blank. I, what about it? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was crazy how that worked out. How? Because... um. We were at my grandma's house for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and that's um, nice. what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's wild, man. My my mother and her sisters, because they were going. Okay, they had planned it. I had no idea, and they were talking about it um, at this um, Thanksgiving yeah. lunch after afterwards. And their cousin from Kentucky was going as well. He's uh, his name's Phil. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Phil needs a roommate. Would anybody want to go to Israel? And I just, your hand. Just I raised my hand. I mean, I just going up. You're like, cool. I'm like, this is never going to happen. But yeah. yeah, I raised my hand. And then like, um, I don't know, a week later, maybe my mom had sent me an email, and she's like, Are you for real? Do you really want to go? And I'm like, Yeah, but I can't swing it obviously yeah. i was like single dad two kids and yeah and so it just it worked out that i was See, able to go how is that not that's a great answer other than your mom emailed you yeah i don't think, <laughs> I don't think i've ever had that well she commute. probably emailed me like all the information oh, okay. from the and and had that was just tag, a question no like, and tagged quite you know tagged the question christopher she's like here's all the info <laughs> about the trip that they've sent out so okay. far i thought it was no. just a Simple question. She said, I think email is going to be the best format for this. <laughs> so, no, that's what, okay. No, that's good. See, that, that answers the question. Yeah. Um, well, good. I, I was going to share. I had mentioned Sunday about being here at East River Park, but that in and of itself was a pretty crazy thing to get mm-hmm. here. Um, I'm sure I've shared it before, but I had applied to like 50 like Kentucky churches. I mean, most of our family's in Kentucky, so yeah. we're like, well, let's, we were trying to get close to family. Um, that was a, bit, a big part of moving. So it made sense to look in Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee was not on the radar. The radar. I've loved Tennessee. I mean, we grew up going to Tennessee at least once a year, but... Um, I applied at some Baptist church in the Smoky Mountains because I thought, well, that'll be cool to live in the Smokies, you know. <laughs> and then Corey sent me East River Park. Where did she find it at? I have no idea. I don't no remember idea? that. Uh, I remember I was I was sitting in my office and she messaged me the job description here for East River Park, and I thought, well, they don't look that crazy, mm-hmm. so that's how it started. Boy, did we fool um, you. <laughs> And then Jenny was the very first person 
to call me. Yeah. Um, she was, I'm assuming she was, she was on the search team and, um, she was the first person to call me. I think I was, when I talked with her, I was, I was in our little parsonage house thing in Illinois and I was up there in the bedroom and she was just asking me like generic there. I think they were feeling people out. Yeah. Everyone like that's a church team search. Everyone's like, we, is the church crazy? And then the church is like, are you crazy? And then, yeah, you're just trying to feel I can be part out. of this answer because I was part of the... Were you on the search team? I was team on the team? search team, yeah. It was like it was 30 years ago. But yeah, we sent out, or we got the, we got the, um, oh my goodness, the resumes back and we yeah. looked at them and we, we weeded through them. Yeah. And then the ones that we were interested in, everybody called someone. So, but yeah, just for filler, just uh, some basic questions to... Do we want to go further with this person? So yeah, that's what that was when yeah, she called. And then in conversation, like Jenny's uh, youth pastor mm-hmm. uh, was one of my youth professors in undergrad, and I'm like, that's crazy because that was like oh. her, to my knowledge, her youth pastor, and right. and then the pastor at our church, um, he wanted to, he had been to Elizabeth, and he wanted to be a part of Moody Aviation when they oh, were really? in town. Um, wow. There was a lot of connections. Even here, like I, uh, um, I mean, obviously we grew up in Kentucky, but then we were in Illinois for eight years. But there's a lot of people in our church that are connected to Northern Illinois when we were at. Yeah. And, I mean, an, an unusual amount. Like a lot of people connected to Rockford, close to where we were at there's a new family that i told you the the wife worked at the hospital that judah was born at yeah. in monroe wisconsin mm-hmm. like there's, there's some wild connections it's a small um, world it's a small world i don't think it it's by accident but just being here is was certainly an unusual thing um so here we are east tennessee love it i just not the orange. You'll get there. I'm not going to get there. I'm not. You'll I'm not. I, well, after watching Kentucky lose to Arkansas last night at home, I thought, how long am I going to root for this team? Mm-hmm. I've been blue my whole Seed. life, and it's just Seeds, Seeds have been planted. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I, our ki- we're giving our kids the freedom. If they want to root for Tennessee, they can. That's good. Um but don't expect us to. So. <laughs> all right. First Samuel 9, uh, all the way, yep. 10 through 1. I told you last week, like reading this text, this is Saul looking for donkeys, and I thought, maybe we should just stop. You know, let's just skip over this or go to a new series. Good you didn't. So it was good. It was a good story. Um, I rewatched the sermon today, and... Like I was trying to fast forward to you oh, right. reading. Oh right, the it's reading the whole yeah, it takes it's, up a lot of I the say video. It's not going to get better. <laughs> People are like, that was a lot of reading. It was a lot. It's of reading. not going to get better. <laughs> um, just because when you're teaching the Old Testament, it's hard, especially if you want. The only way for me to go around that, and maybe I will, is to recap part of the narrative and then read the other part. Mm. Outside of that, it's just a lot. Of, it's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of reading. I mean, so it's hard to do two separate messages on the one narrative. So, 
Do you yeah. find? Oh, sorry, just a little quick question. Do you find it easier to write a sermon where? Because you, it was a lot of reading, so yeah. the sermon part actually didn't need to be that long. Is that how you? Does that work out for you? Are you like, oh yeah, I don't have to write that long of a sermon, or? Uh, or does that even factor in? Daniel? It doesn't factor in. I'm actually because I, I type the same amount. Okay. Sunday. Um, I mean, I can look at my word count. Like I can yeah. type the same amount. Um, it's easier and harder. I think it's easier in the sense that a narrative in many ways teaches itself. Like mm-hmm. you need far less illustrations because the narrative is illustrating things for you. Right. Um, you, know, you don't have to like work as much for the scripture to... For people to understand it as much, maybe. I think but it's it is harder in the sense that there's just a lot, especially as we'll continue to see, there's a lot of things that come up that I have to research, remember, and then try to figure out like, is this important enough to share on Sunday? Yeah. So there's a lot of historical stuff that makes yeah. it the prep longer, even if I type less. Um, but yeah, this specific Sunday, yeah, was that was an unusual outline, I think, for me. Um, and if I had to do it all over again, I don't know if I'd write the exact same outline, but that's what <laughs> okay. we got. Well. So the question that we answered was, what is God up to? Yep. So there we go. <clears throat> all right. So Jason, who is Saul's father and what did Saul look like? We're Firing away some narrative questions here to yeah. start, but his dad's name is Kish, mm-hmm. and um, from the tribe of Benjamin, and Saul was tall and handsome twice. You know, <laughs> they made sure and they're sometimes like he's too. super handsome, <laughs> and I made sure. Um, yeah, I mentioned like Tim Tebow. Yeah, why did you bring up the other? It was more just because of Corey, because okay. Corey really likes Joe Burrow. Oh, okay. I was okay. talking that about another sense. quarterback. She really thinks Joe Burrow is just super cute and handsome, and I'm okay. like, yeah, but... He lost. Yeah. <laughs> he lost. Um, so, anyways, I do like Joe, but okay. I just don't want Corey to leave me for him. <laughs> I don't think you have anything to worry about for him. <laughs> All anyway, right. moving on. All right, moving on. What request? No, nope, it's another one for you. Oh, man. Okay. So what request did Saul's father have for him in verse 3? Go search for the donkeys. That's right. And, uh, with, and bring the servant along. So, yep. yep. Aren't you proud I didn't make any donkey jokes? I, when you just said that, or I was the, like... Or even Shrek, like... Yeah, that's what donkey. I was thinking. The Shrek, yeah. 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 I just thought... This this is unusual enough. Do people really need... Like, I, I think if I did make a joke, people would have laughed because they were uncomfortable. But then they also <laughs> thought, like, that was stupid. And, like, he didn't have to make a joke about that. Did you see where Eddie Murphy said that he wants another Shrek movie? He I'm said sure that he recently. Does. He's yeah. like, my bank account is <laughs> emptying out. We should do another Shrek movie. And you guess who would go watch it? All of us. All of us, yeah. yeah. All of us. All right, uh, two for you. Where did where did Saul look? All right, I see that you gave me the 
I know. All the weird names got, places. Because I got to... Eat your Eat snack. my uh, salt and vinegar chips. Go ahead. All right. Him. He passed through the hill country of Ephraim, and he passed through the land of Shalisha, and he passed <laughs> through the land of Shalom, and then they passed through the land of Benjamin, and they ended up in the land of Zuf. Zuf. Is that enough? That's enough. Zuff. Zuff. Are you done? Because I'm not sure I eat my chip. Uh, I am done with that answer because okay. they didn't go anywhere else yet. <laughs> Who did Saul and the servant go to look for? Um, well, they they went to look for the man of God, or also known as a seer or a prophet. And spoiler alert: it's Samuel. Yeah. I love, I mean, everyone should have known that was coming. I just love the way that that's written because it is written to make, like, build up this yeah. intense. Yeah. It's like, well, who's this and man of God that they're talking about? Down. You're like, oh, it's him. It's him. I see all the connections. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the question was, what is God up to? Point one, he is raising up a king like a priest. <laughs> yep. For you. How did Samuel treat Saul like a priest in verses 22 through 24? Uh, Saul was placed at the head of the table at this dinner. Um, and the food that was brought to Saul was normally reserved for the priest. And um, this is set up, and you actually read it. It's from Leviticus 7, yeah. uh, the setup of that, uh, the food. Yeah, and we made a point. Um, that Samuel's not viewing Saul as like you'll be the priest of Israel, um, as you'll as we'll read. Yeah. Um, Saul attempts to do that, and it's a deadly mistake. Um, so it's just I think it's, if anything, if you're like, well, I don't like priest language there. Yeah. And that point, at least he's trying to show him like you're more than just. Some tall guy from Benjamin. Yeah, um, like he's already showing him honor, and I think I've re- I think I read some of the commentaries to even maybe test is he is he gonna be humble mm-hmm. with that, and then of course he immediately is, but who knows? So point two, what's God up to? Well, he's raising up a king who knows the word. So, Jason, what word did Samuel share with Saul? Um, well, one, we don't know exactly. It doesn't say. Yeah. Um, but I think it was the word uh, that the Lord told him in verses 15 through 17, if you were to have the Bible open in front of you, could most certainly been what the Lord had shared with him when he was approached by Israel for a king. Hmm. So it wasn't just... Um, hey, the Lord told me that you would arrive and that we're going to anoint you to be king of Israel, I I would guess at least that Samuel backtracked and said, hey, this was, whether you realize it or not, this is what's going on in Israel. This is what the Lord has allowed uh, to to take place, and you're the guy. Um, So 
someone asked me for clarification on this point, and I think it's fair. Um, I don't think Saul was this at this point this like godly man that knew and obeyed God up to this point. Right. Like, the passage makes it sound like he was a good family man, um, and that. Um, he just didn't really understand what he was walking into. Uh, but the the reason that point, I put that point in there, one, because it is right there in the passage, but Saul needed to hear from the Lord, and then Samuel was going to make sure of that. So the king, yeah. any king, must know what the word of God is, what God has to say, especially to the king. Now, that doesn't mean he's always going to follow that word, mm. which we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what's God up to? He is raising up a king who is a prince. Point three. Uh, that was point three. Yep. And then for you, how will Saul be a prince? All right. This is a rather lengthy. I'd, this is not mine. I found it on um, Ligonier.org. I just thought it was really good. Salt and vinegar chip time. So, <laughs> so Saul was anointed by the Lord to be prince over his people, Israel. And I mean, you read that in chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, but this article said, God anointed Saul through the ministry of Samuel, and we can discern at least a twofold significance to you to the use of the oil to mark out Saul as the king. Um, first, before the institution of the monarchy, only the priests were anointed with oil. And you saw that in Exodus 29, 1 through 9 signifying their dedication to God for a special task. By anointing the kings of Israel, the Lord showed that he established his monarchy. Israel asked for a king with the wrong motives, but the monarchy was ultimately God's gift to his people. Um, the second, uh, the article goes on to say, the second anointing with the oil in the Old Testament frequently signified empowerment by the Spirit of God. And they referenced Isaiah 61.1. Um, the Holy Spirit was to equip the kings of Israel. They were not to rest in their own power or wisdom. Israel wanted a king after the model of their nations. And while Saul in many ways would turn out to be such a king, the Lord's intent for the Israelite monarchy was for the king to represent God and do the will of God in humble reliance on the Spirit of God. Uh, this was to be the kingship of restricted authority, a kingship with the reign um, circumscribed by the law of God, and not one in which the king could do whatever he wanted. After all, the king was still subject to the revelation of God given through his prophet, for Saul had to follow the instructions of Samuel. Uh, Jesus, of course, is the only king to follow the model perfectly, for he did only what he saw God, his father, doing and spoke only the words that God his father gave him to speak. Now, I know that probably went further than why was he marked as a prince, but I just thought who wrote it was, that? I can't remember who did that. I just found it on Ligon. I could probably look it up and give you uh, the name of the person, but it was um, it was on Ligonair.org. And I had read after the fact that some people read that in the text that it's a king to be. Yeah. So that's why. You know, some of those translations would say Prince. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good. A little behind why they put the oil and why, why it mattered. or um, 
that they did that. Because, I mean, it's what it says. It's like they anointed him with oil because you're the prince of the prince to be or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they'll have to come up uh, Sunday because we're not done with the right, that was verse one of, yeah. of Saul yet. Um, so, where are we at? Four? Four. What is God up to? He is raising up a king who will stop the surrounding enemies. So, Jason, what surrounding enemies does Saul stop? I'm just going to read it. First Samuel 14, starting in verse 47. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel... He fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against Zobah, against the Philistines. Whenever he turned, he routed. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly and struck the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Simply, as much as Saul is in the process of failing. As a king, um, he still did good things. Um, he still did what was expected of him um, and what was prophesied about him from Samuel. Uh, he's going to stop the surrounding enemies. This is what he does. Yep. So, um, this seems like a random question to give you, but I'm going to ask it anyways. How is Jesus a better king than Saul? Not that that's a Well, you answered bad, this. Yeah. You answered it during your sermon. Um, all right. Saul ends up being a failed leader where Jesus is a perfect leader. Um, Saul was a priest or was like a priest, but Jesus is our great high priest. Uh, Saul is a king who needs the word of God. But Jesus is the word of God. Uh, let's see. Saul was anointed prince over his people, but Jesus is prince of peace over all people. Uh, Saul will conquer his surrounding enemies, as you just spoke of, but Jesus has and will conquer all enemies. And um, a little side note I put here. I found this actually last week when I was searching for a different answer for last week's behind the message uh, I found it on Got Questions, and I just thought it was really good. Um, the way it seemed, because we kind of got into this last week a little bit, you know. Um, normally, it said this. I found this on Got Questions, like I said, and it said normally the three offices of prophet, priest, and king were distinct from each other, yeah. with no overlap. That is, a king was not a priest or a prophet. A priest did not function as a prophet or a king. And a prophet uh, simply did a prophet's job without trying to be either king or priest. But Jesus Christ perfectly fills all three roles simultaneously. He is the prophet, priest, and king to the great blessing of the world. And I just thought that was pretty, pretty cool. This? How I found that last week. <laughs> yeah, let me let me look this up real quick. Okay. Um, it's real time. There it is. You remember this old Christian band called the uh, Small Town Poets? Yeah. Yeah, they got a song, Prophet, Priest, and King. Oh, I just <laughs> remember that. Um, man. 
Hold on, let me read some of the lyrics. But my closest, or my closet is a shrine to an old friend of mine. Here I talk all the time with a prophet priest. I pull out boxes and brooms and I gush like a groom. For it's here I commune with a prophet, priest, and king. Man, small town poets. Those were that was like when Christian music was in its yep. uh, I remember. prime. Um, like jars of clay. Did you ever see? I saw them live. I never saw that. I I liked them, but they kind of before they fell off. There did they? Jars of clay. Yeah. yeah. I have to look it up. Yeah. What about flood? Do you think they got tired of playing that song? Mm-hmm. All right. Where are we at? Summary point. God great. has raised up a king. Well, we still got more, several more questions. God has raised up King Jesus. So, Chris, is these are tough. Is God involved in the every detail of our life? All right, Jason. <laughs> the Bible teaches that God's sovereignty is an essential aspect of who he is. Did you write this? No. That he has supreme authority and absolute power over all things. Uh, but no, but scripture scripture says in Ephesians 1, 11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And while it's probably way more complex than just a yes answer, um, we may not see that uh, answer now, but further down the road, are on on the other side in eternity uh, how how all those things worked out yeah but yeah i i don't know i could go and i don't think actually i'm not gonna answer i'm not gonna say anything else I'm no, done. go ahead go no. ahead with, with that thought <laughs> i don't think i don't no i'm not gonna say it because i've not looked into it so i'm not no i'm not sure of what you're gonna say is yeah so i'm not gonna say it sorry I think here's what I think you're gonna say, okay? What you were going to say. God is involved in every detail of our life, but um, we can't. You we don't use that as an excuse for every choice and decision we make in our life, as if that's what God wanted. Right. So um, people. Um, people make a lot of foolish decisions, and they blame God, yeah, or they blame yep. Satan over that. And it's just not that simple. Correct. Um, it's good. So, the simple answer t- to the question is yes. I think you did answer it. I mean, of course he is, but how that's all working out? Yeah, we yeah. may never know. Well, I guess we'll find out here in the next question. <laughs> Jason, does everything work out for our good? Uh, Romans 8.28. Um, I've read this a lot on Sundays. Um, I actually think I'm going to... Um, yeah, I'll definitely read it tomorrow night. We have a funeral that, um, that I'm leaving, and so I'll read it during the funeral. Um, that was from request of the family, but this is Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Does everything work out for our good? 
there's a lot of things that come along with that in that verse alone. Hmm. Um, first, you have to love God. Okay. We know that for those not just who breathe air, um, not just to walk around, not just to go to church. It's for those who love God. And the implication is that like you're his, you're his child, you're a Christ follower. For those who love God, all things work together for good. So that doesn't mean that it's always going to feel good. Doesn't mean it's always going to seem good in the moment. The extra part, or not the extra, but just the continuation of that verse is for those who are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. If you are his, everything is moving towards a greater purpose for good for him. And so if you believe that reality, then yes, everything in your life is working out for good. If all of the, if that ticks all the boxes. boxes. Yep. Um, but it is imperative to know that like you can be in deep suffering and not know how this is even possible and still have that, hold fast to that truth. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Um, and that's easy for me to say right now when there's nothing catastrophic going on in my life, but I realize how heavy that is to say for people at times, but it doesn't make Romans eight twenty eight less true. So it should be encouraging under the right, right understanding of that verse. Chris, this could be like the most serious behind the message one we've done in a while. So, Chris, why should we keep our eyes on Jesus in the uncertainty of life? By turning our eyes to Jesus, we will take them off of our own problems, and Christ will give us strength to continue on. I'm done singing, so you can just keep it. No. Did we sing that? We sang that on Sunday, right? Don't I don't remember. I don't remember songs that we sing. <sighs> Keep going. Sorry. I'm, All right. I'm By turning our eyes to Jesus, we'll take them off of our own problems. Um, Christ will give us strength to continue on. He has continued to work on our hearts and restoring them. And you said in the message, if we are truly in Christ, then we'll know everything will be all right. Yeah. It was song three. Okay. Turn your eyes. It is. I mean, it is crazy, like how much there is. We don't plan that. I mean, other than it should be, we all should still be on the same page on yeah. a Sunday. But yeah, we we sing that. Turn That's your eyes good. on Jesus. That's a good song. It's one of the good hymns. There's some people that are like all about hymns. I mean, they have to realize there's some really terrible hymns out there, right? Yeah. yeah. I hate the the hymns growing up that sounded like you were at some like creepy circus. You know what I mean? It's got that like little circus kind of bop to it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So. Right. But do you know what? It, I mean, is that just me? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I don't think so. I'll have to find an example. You have to give me an example. Okay. Yeah, I can't do it right That'll now. That'll help. All right. All right. Jason, how do how does King Jesus make everything right? Just going to give some scripture here. Um, I said that like, this is all I got left. Might as well read the Bible. No, I, this, I mean, it summarizes it well. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned to her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. There will be, they will be his people. God himself will be with the master God. And then four, he will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And I, I've, regardless of your eschatology, um, I think it's, to me, it's this picture of the reality that one day heaven and earth will collide and uh, there's a new heaven and a new earth of perfect harmony and King Jesus um, reigns now, but um, the job has been finished and then will be finished then and so then at that point there is uh, no more sin or death Um, so that's how things will be made right so I think the whole point of the message on Sunday like if you can't see it now in God's good grace maybe he'll show you in a few months maybe he'll show you at the end of the week Uh, maybe in a few years you can look back and say that's what God was up to. I see that clearly now. But sometimes you just, you're never going to get that. Mm-hmm. And so it's having an eternal perspective. Are you seeing far ahead enough to see eternity that, you know, one day it's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just felt not to be like weird or anything. I just, <clears throat> prepping that message just felt strongly like just tell the church they're gonna be all right you know i think we need to hear that more often especially if you're in christ now, if you're not in christ i'm not gonna tell you that right but if you're in christ like it's a whatever you're dealing with right now like um it's gonna be okay everything's gonna be fine um and that's not just me being you know just lip service right so, yeah there you go all right, that's it. Boom. Um, we got to do the obvious because it's coming up. Sunday is Super Bowl. Yep. And uh, just as clarification, we're done with First Samuel. I'm not trying to bring the Super Bowl into First Samuel. <laughs> uh, just a random question to end it. <laughs> this is the, the Super Bowl is Sunday, and I thought... Beyond just the obvious question, who do you think is going to win? I think we've already that even last asked week. that. You asked that uh, last week. What's your favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time? It's pretty rough. You know what? To was, remember all the commercials. I, I googled it. I, I did to, like, too. I had to look at best ones to jog my memory. And I, in fairness, I had one in mind. I couldn't remember exactly the details. But you go first. You go. All right. My favorite was the Volkswagen commercial. 
I don't remember. The little kids dressed as Darth Vader? Yes. Yeah, I did see it when I looked at I saw the Darth Vader one. And for those that don't remember, it's a little kid dressed as Darth Vader. Full full Vader suit. And he's walking around his house and he keeps trying to throws his hands out and tries to use force powers on everything in his house to move things and, and whatnot. And it, it doesn't work. And, and then his dad comes home from work and he the kid runs outside, runs past his dad and tries to use his force powers on the car and he kind of sits there and looks disappointed for a minute and then the car starts it like um and his dad had started it from inside the house uh, but yeah i liked i thought that was a good yeah. one yeah i almost picked that did you because i googled like best commercials uh, but there was one that i was and it wasn't funny i i mean I, it, is it the clydesdale no, okay. I mean, everyone likes those. I remember okay. when that they brought that puppy in with the horses, and you're like, I mean, the yeah. world was like, <laughs> it just broke our heart. Like, look at this cute puppy and the horses. and Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, the What's, what's Up. I don't watch the What's Up. I, mean, I watched it. I was like. <laughs> you know, that was iconic. I haven't but, watched uh, it in a long time. There was one I thought that was maybe cliche, but just that, I don't, I think it was just at the time, hit me. And I had to look for it to remember what it was. And it was the Ram truck commercial. And it's called Farmer. And it's the one where they quote, it's the Paul Harvey quote. um, I think I vaguely remember that one. Yeah, about, so God made a farmer. And so it's just, I'll have to show it to you. I mean, it's great. And I mean, you know what that, that quote or that you've heard the Paul Harvey. Yeah, thing, I was, right? yeah. All right, so God made a farmer, and you're like, ah, oh, that just makes you feel. It makes you feel so. I like that. They just nailed it. I was like, it just felt so good. Super Bowl commercial, truck, American, mm-hmm. and then me thinking, I'm none of you know, I'm none of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like captivated by this, and I'm not a farmer. I'm not a farmer. I don't I've never own a truck. truck. If I bought a truck, I don't know what I'd throw in it. Groceries, maybe? (laughs) Groceries. I I mean, a a kiddie pool for my children. Um, I wouldn't know what to do with it. But um, I just remember when I watched, I remember watching that for the first time. Just having those feels like, God, that was a good commercial. So, So God made a farmer, Paul Harvey. As good as they come. All right. You want to pray and then we'll be done? I can't as I'm taking a drink. That's all right. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, just thank you for our eternal King, your son, Jesus. Thank you for uh, for not leaving us in, uh, to our own, uh, to pay for our own sins. Thank you for sending him to, to die for us, to restore us to you. Um, thank you for all that you're doing here at East River Park. I pray that you continue to guide us and um, send your spirit uh, to guide us and help us to make the right decisions and to give you and your son all the honor and glory. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.